Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Mid-South Foodie, where we love talking about uh, restaurants, uh, food, um, places where we eat in the, the southern United States. I'm your editor-in-chief, Jake Owens. And I'm also your editor-in-chief, Reed Ballou. Today is going to be our first ever, uh, this is kind of a big deal, it'll be our first ever special episode. Yeah, yeah, buddy, uh, buckle in. We got a lot for you today. Today's episode is entitled... The history of food. We're going all the way back to the beginning of time, uh, to the first time food was ever eaten, and we will go all the way to where we think food is going. So buckle your seatbelts, because it's going to be a long one. But first, a few housekeeping notes. A few days ago, we did um, we did a little social media promotion, and we and we said, you know, whoever... From our personal accounts, whoever follows the podcast on Twitter before 4 p.m. Central is going to get a shout-out on the podcast. And along with that shout-out, um, a lie will be told about that person. Uh, as such, I have my list here. I'm just going to run through these names of these wonderful people. That list of um, folks who went ahead and followed the pod on Twitter um, are as follows. Uh, Daniel Jackson. Uh, Danny is a good friend of mine. He makes me smile, and I enjoy being around him. Uh, next, Hunter Beck. Hunter Beck is also from Arkansas, and um, I think he's funny. Uh, third is Ike Peters. Um, Ike was the first owner of the Chili's restaurant in White County, Arkansas. Uh, next, Kenzie Stubblefield. Kenzie is nice. Next, we have Peyton Weeks. Peyton Weeks makes me smile. Uh, next, Seth Cantrell. Seth uh, is a good guy. Next, we have Dylan Swearingen. Dylan uh, has a good heart. Finally, we have Jake Wells, uh, and he owns a dog. And so we've um, kind of covered that. And uh, like we said today, we're the special uh, episode, the history of food, taking you through a, a cosmic journey, you know, back to the Cretaceous period, and then. Even into the Jurassic Zone, all the way up to the 1950s civil rights movement, and then into today, 2017, and perhaps most importantly, uh, what's coming on the food landscape? What's uh, what's next? And so, um, well, let's start at the beginning. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. So this is part one. Uh, this is the part that we've titled uh, the invention of food. Mm. So you know how how did food begin? And, and why do we need food? Uh, I'd like to start this off okay. with um, a classic anecdote that my mother uh, came up with. Uh, it's called the chicken and the egg, and it is about it's about which one was eaten first, hmm. the chicken or the egg. And the, the the paradigm, the dichotomy of what's happening here, is that we don't know who uh, which one was eaten first. Hmm. Uh, there could have been an egg in with them there then the question arises how'd the egg get there and so some people would say uh, a chicken laid the egg um hmm. but the first uh the first food that was eaten uh this is in origin of species was a scrambled egg and it 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 framed and changed how we did food forever and i i respect that so much so as, as you'll notice um one of the most common breakfast foods, uh, at least in America, is the scrambled egg. And it's no coincidence that 
the scrambled egg was the first meal ever eaten, and it is also often the first meal of every day. There's a nice parallel there between um, humans today and humans of the past. Sort of a symbolic uh, food journey. Yes, uh, yes. Throughout the day. And, and, and all things that we do, we try to, we try to honor our ancestors. Uh, you know, sort of our, our ancestors in mind. Why, why do we have to eat? Why, why do we, how do, what happened that made us eat? Well, um, as a lot of people know, food is a very social event. Uh, you can go, you know, all the way back uh, to the Homo sapien. In, um, I think it was in uh, 17, it was in the 1740s when um, primarily we, we would be drinking milk. It was, we had an entirely milk-based diet uh, from, from the beginning until we realized... That's we, why babies like it. Right, right. That's why babies like it. That's why uh, boys and girls like it. That's why uh, adults like it as well. Um, it's because... That's the earliest humans. That's all we had. That's, that's, yeah. all, we had. that's, that's all we wanted. That's evolution. all we needed. Uh, until uh, the selection. the cavemen uh, started knuckle walking out of the caves, and they found nuts and berries, and also, e- also and also eggs, honey, and and don't forget the honey. Uh, and that's when we found out, y- you know what? Like we don't have to just drink milk all the time. The American Revolution changed a lot for our country. It. It revolutionized democracy, but it also revolutionized food. Some would say that our, our country would never be the same. Um, as such, we're going to go ahead and go into... Uh, we're now entering Chapter 2, which is appropriately titled... Expansion. Expansion. You said that with a nice uh, Siri-esque voice. It's trying to be very neutral. So, key parts of expansion, what we're seeing here when you look back in the history books... The codexes, Da Vinci's journals, uh, Wikipedia, uh, also cookbooks, is mm-hmm. what you're seeing is that food is not just being consumed uh, on the land. It's being brought to a couple things. One, tables, and those tables are inside the home. Uh, it's been it's wild food has been domesticated at this point. And that was a that was a real turning point in the development of food. So, what read? What were some of the first foods that were brought to the table? Well, a lot of that, a lot of those things are, are sort of staple items. So you're, you're going to find your meats, uh, you're going to find uh, sausages, mm-hmm. uh, weenies. You will also find uh, different types of meatballs. And what's what's most important, especially with the um, the onset of the meatball, which just so our, our our listeners understand, was about the size of the average softball. And that was your meal. It was uh, sort of like a meatloaf, but but it, but it's it's a ball. Yeah, uh, a meatball. And so, if you were to take this meat and cook it on its own, it's not that great. And so, what we have is these these settlers, these these colonialists, uh, revolutionaries. They uh, they invented spices. Huh. Uh, you've cooked the spices. What are, I first have, of all? I have. What are some of the indigenous spices that they were cooking with? What are your favorites? Well, the hottest spice, when I say hot, I don't mean like spiciest. Lowercase um, h. Uh, right, lowercase h. Uh, some of the most popular spices in colonial America were ketchup and also mustard. When it comes to uh, some of the spices, it had a little more zip to it. 
uh, barbecue sauce was a real hit among and then, the pilgrims and the colonists. That's right. And then after the Civil War, uh, we, mm-hmm. we discovered uh, buffalo sauce mm-hmm. and also ranch. Right. And those were those were huge. Uh, let's talk a little bit about farming. Farming was Ooh. huge in, in, in the colonies. How did uh, you know? How did the landowner get into farming? Well, that's actually an urban legend. Um, farming has not really played a, a, a large part in the history of the United States. Uh, I think a lot of history books will uh, corroborate that, and I'll stand by that statement. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. What do you think? Uh, part three, chapter three. You want to you hit it? Chapter three. <clears throat> Peanuts. Peanuts. Um, let's just let's just go ahead and get this little listicle out of the way. All right, all right. Where, where do you lie on the, uh, <clears throat> the the creamy versus crunchy debate? Well, I think peanuts are crunchy, but peanut butter is creamy. I think that's where a lot of people get confused. I'm sorry. I was asking what sort of peanut butter. Okay. Uh, well, that's. I'm sorry. That's not. That's not what I heard you say. So I answered question that I heard you say. Um, as far as peanut butter is concerned, I like crunchy peanut butter. I'm more of a creamy guy myself, okay. and I like to use a little bit more than what's recommended. I like to be uh, waiting in peanut butter. Well, I guess to each his own, I like to use the appropriate, uh, the doctor's recommended amount of peanut butter. I think that you are pompous, and I think that your attitude uh, is off-putting. The man who invented the peanut, uh, George Washington Sr., mm-hmm. he, uh, this is such an amazing story. Okay, so moving on to the, the invention of the peanut. This was uh, a genetic botanist. He was a botanist within his genes. This guy named George Washington Sr., his son later became president, so he mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> he took he was on his back porch. He had a spoon, a little dollop of Jif uh, peanut butter, and mm-hmm. he was just eating it. You know, you can give it to your dog. They make funny noises whenever you give it to your dog. So he he's rich. He's famous. He doesn't care about mm-hmm. the environment. So he throws the spoon that's got you know Jif residue in the in the spoon bowl right. over the balcony, and it goes and it lands on the grassy part of the beach. Has a bunch of his friends over. Randy Jackson's there. Randy Jackson goes outside and says, "Hey, can, can I eat the nuts on this tree?" He eats these peanuts, and he's like, dude, this tastes a lot like peanut butter. Long story short, they get a licensing deal, and it turns into Peter Pan peanut butter, hmm. which is, uh, a lot of people don't know that what they think is a competing brand, Jif and Peter Pan, Jif actually invented Peter Pan and wow. the peanut. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's, I'm, yeah. I'd like to follow <clears throat> that little story up. A lot of people have heard the story of, uh, President George Washington Jr., who, um, chopped down his father's peanut tree uh, just moments after I believe that story took place um, and then he and then he courageously owned up to, to doing right. that and that story is often used to sort of display uh, the demeanor and disposition of President George Washington Jr. right but, <clears throat> as a um, jealous and sociopathic boy who eventually grew up to become president. That's true. The best part about that story, though, is when George Washington Sr. walks out of the house and he says, that's my Randy Jackson tree, and you're a, you're a bad son. That story will just... 
it'll, free, freeze yeah. the blood in your veins. It'll, it'll, it'll haunt you. It's something to think about at night. That, there's no question about that. Well, let's go ahead and let's move on to uh, Chapter 4, Part 4, which is uh, aptly titled Development. And so <clears throat> we're going to be going through the typical meals through the five major ages. And those are? Uh, first, the Stone Age. Of course. Rome. Ah. The Medieval Age. Mm-hmm. The Industrial Age. Yep. And the Robotics Age. All right, let's go ahead and start. Uh, what what are, what are the typical meals in the Stone Age? Can you kind of walk me through breakfast, lunch, dinner? Well, we we kind of you know <clears throat> got into this a little bit earlier. You know, lots lots of eggs involved, a lot of milk. Uh, that was still you know back in the times when we were drinking a lot of milk, um, a lot of nuts, and a lot of berries like strawberries. Pretty much for every meal. I mean, I, I mean, it's just right. different. Yeah. They 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 didn't know better. Yeah. Sort of like Mexican food, it's all the same thing, yeah, just, just rearranged. You, you yeah. Put it in, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next major age, which is Rome. Mhm. A uh, typical breakfast for a, a Roman, a Romian would be uh, milk, mm-hmm. uh, some berries. And at this point we had we had developed we had invented vegetables and so uh, carrots, uh, onions, uh, coriander, cinnamon—those were all pretty common uh, breakfast items. For lunch, uh, this this was also uh, hot dogs were, were a really big thing. Right, and they, they would they would take that hot dog water, uh, the hot dog water, and they mm-hmm. would use that. They, they would reheat it, steep it later, and that's the, they would have their afternoon tea with the hot dog water uh, from the coriander and the cinnamon from before. And so this tradition actually is. If you if you travel to Rome today, still it's, yeah, it's, you, unbelievable. They will still yeah, give I you a, yeah, I studied in uh in, in Florence and when I when I when I spent uh, when I spent the night in Rome, well when I ran away to Rome that one night I mm-hmm. the next day I woke up and I had some of that tea it was very good. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to dinner in Rome. So this is a more heavy meal. What do you mm-hmm. uh, what do you remember? Well, again, this was. Just only slightly more advanced than the Stone Age, and that's important to remember to not uh, hold hold the Rome um, period to a higher standard than yeah. you should. People do that a lot. But they forget that fifty years before Augustine, right, was uh, like we were cavemen. Mm-hmm. Dinner time in Rome uh, was a little bit different. They were really into roast beef. That was just a Huge. staple of Rome. Lots of um, you know, hot roast beef and cheddar sandwiches. Sure, and that uh, that sort of meal formatting where you have um, sort of a big thing like your, your meat and then your veggies and then mm-hmm. uh, candy on the side. Mm-hmm. That's the that not it didn't happen then, but that meal template is it eventually turned into kid cuisine. And you know that that template, even though the Romans weren't weren't doing this meal template, this was what most dinner conversations amongst Romans was about. Right. It was about, you know, the meat, the vegetables, the bowl of candy uh, for dinner. Yeah. And then, so on, on the typical Roman plate, you'd have your meat, uh, vegetables, uh, candy. Uh, and that, it didn't it didn't happen immediately. It wasn't happening then. But eventually, that, that meal template is, uh, it turned into later in like you know, 20 years later in the 1950s, what we now know as kid cuisine. I think it's super cool. Um, Which, that is a perfect segue into the medieval period. The medieval age. Yeah. Uh, So, how do I break this down? There was uh, King Richard the Lionhearted, Mm -hmm. uh, and then after him was uh, Charles, 
and then after him, I think uh, I think William's the older one. Uh, anyway, uh, in the medieval age, that, that this is when we invented mead. Okay, Ooh. not meat, mead. Meat's already been invented. The Romans had the, uh, the age of Rome had they had meat. This is mead, and so mead is fermented uh, honey, uh, tree sap, and sugar that has been sitting in the trunk of a tree uh, for a few thousand years. And uh, on, on whenever your first son is born, you'll go out there with the, the, the ladle, and you'll dip it in, and then you'll have your first mead with your baby. And speaking of ladles and dipping it into things... Uh, I'm the... also talking about babies. You can listen to that part. Okay, well... Um... That wasn't relevant to the tangent that I was about to launch into. Oh, so, um, well, go for it. Okay. Um, another big part of the cuisine of the medieval age was witches uh, brewing meals in their cauldrons. Um, a lot of times they would put things like beans and stews, stews in their cauldrons, and yeah. uh, the peasants would trade... Uh, goods for bowls of stew. And that was how many of the serfs and the peasants got their meals. The witches, uh, though often portrayed as evil women, were quite nice and a, a key part of village culture. Let's go ahead and get out of this extremely boring age and let's go ahead and move to the industrial age. This is where we invented steam. In the industrial age, people would eat Pretty much anything, anything, as long as they were riding on a train. Yeah. It's it's a placebo effect. You're on a train, the food tastes better. And so this is, you know, we invented junkyards. People started eating scrap metal, and mm -hmm. uh, they like would... Like dirt pies, and... Right. Everyone wore uh, overalls and welding goggles. Yeah. It was a weird time for America. But we also... Think of all the great inventions. The tractor. Hats. There's not a lot more. Let's go to the industrial age, and let's move into now, the robotics age. Ooh. So this is a key turning point uh, in food. Previously, we've seen uh, food that has only existed... Uh, I don't know. What, what's the word I'm looking like for here? Pre-robotics age. Right, without robots. Mm -hmm. And now you go, you walk into McDonald's in, in, in Polaris Nebula, and you've got robots that are making your, your burgers. That's right. One of the biggest turning points, I think, that marks the robotics age apart from the industrial age is Campbell's Chunky. It's funny you say that. I am of the school of thought that Progresso did more for this country than Campbell's Chunky did. You notice that Campbell's Chunky is, is a subsidiary of Campbell's, whereas mm. Progresso... Progresso is saying, I already am chunky. I don't have to say I'm chunky. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard once said to defend something is to discredit it. And so I think whenever Campbell's has to say they're chunky, you pretty much know they're not actually chunky. Well, it, maybe it's not a defense, though. I mean, I, if I get tomato soup, if I get tomatoes Campbell's soup, if I get... If I get... Mm. Mm. Alright, let's just go into part five. Uh, yes. Food today. Well, let's go ahead and talk about food today. When you think about food today, what are the, some of the restaurants that come to your mind? Um, oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, Can you just name a restaurant? 
any uh, Applebee's. Yes, absolutely. Sort of the kingpin of uh, fast casual, fast and casual. Uh, those are three different categories. Um, what, what are some other big players in the arena? Uh, we we travel the entire yeah, you know yeah. southeastern um, conference. Yeah, we have seen restaurant after restaurant. In Texas, they have uh, this restaurant called uh, What a Burger, and mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of a play on words. You, you stretch it out. It's What a Burger. What because because that's what you say when you eat it. Yeah, you can't help it. Uh, that's another great restaurant. But pretty much outside of uh, What a Burger and um, Applebee's, there's. They sort of set the tone for the rest. Yeah, there of, uh, there aren't a whole lot uh, of other kinds. Um, I've seen signs for a PF Chang's, but I've never been there. It's like West Coast soul food. Okay. Uh, it's like sushi burritos and uh, like kale smoothies. When I was little, I used to ask my parents if we could eat there all the time, but my dad always said no. So I've kind of just carried that into my adult practices. Well. Uh, Jake's dad, if you're listening, uh, you should take the boy to P.F. Chang's. How does that feel? Does he feel, does he feel vindicated at all? A little bit. I know you well, do. I'm comfortable with, uh, oh. with how you uh, are just stepping over my father's... Um, Grave? Yeah. Makes me a little uneasy. Well, he's, he's, he's still alive, though. He just, he, yeah, he, yeah, but he, he just bought the plot. Like in a situation where, like, I have like dug the grave myself, oh, and like it's money. like it's raining, mm-hmm. and like I'm waiting for my father to pass away uh, because he's been ill with uh, smallpox or uh, 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 bean fever. Uh, the idea of you coming in and uh, just disregarding uh, his his will is very uh, disconcerting for me. I didn't mean to, and also this episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. For a little bit less than ten dollars a month, you can get locally sourced, farm fresh foods delivered right to your door in a convenient package. Inside the package, you'll find convenient recipe cards, how-to videos, and other cooking tips to make you make the meal of your dreams. Make you make the meal of your dreams. Uh, any other housekeeping notes? I, I don't want to. I was trying to end the pod without, without you. Um, I guess thank you again for making us the most downloaded podcast in iTunes history. Please continue giving us uh, five star ratings and reviewing us and subscribing to us and telling all of the other foodies that you know about us and don't forget a little little easter egg for those of you who get this far in the episode if you tweet at our account at midsouthfoodie uh and tell us your favorite part of the episode or your favorite meal from the rome era uh we'll give you a shout out in the next pod but uh, until then i'm your editor-in-chief reed baloo i'm your editor-in-chief jay collins so long